0: Hey, it's Adam here, and I want to tell you where you can get more free sex and how you can support the podcast. I'm building a kind of hub for the project on Substack. It's just freesex.substack.com. I'm publishing transcripts for all episodes there for free and occasional writings about free sex for subscribers only. Plus, you can interact with me and stuff like that. To make this podcast, I'm relying on contributions from listeners. My indie podcast company, Aunt Nell, has invested in getting it going and I'm paying my guests, but the only way I can fund it from now is with support from people like you who subscribe at freesex.substack.com Or you can just continue listening to the podcast for free and using the transcripts on the Substack if you need them. Thanks for joining me as we edge ever closer to a world of free sex. What does free sex mean to you? Do you ever think you'd have more sex or better sex if only you could change one thing? What is that thing? I'm Adam Smith, a writer, podcast producer, walker, talker, thinker, wanker. (laughs) I started having sex at 29 29 and i've been obsessed ever since now i'm on a mission to find out how as a society we hold each other back in sex what could a world of free sex look like for me free sex is a world with more places to fuck and without sexually transmitted infections how about you what are you into every episode, I speak to a different human with a unique idea for what free sex could mean. This podcast is fully pansexual and gender fluid. From mild to wild, everyone is welcome. Let's go. How can we take care of each other when we're fucking? My guest in this episode is Danny Singer, who is a performer, sex worker, activist, and an expert in nightlife welfare. If you want to know how to run a good sex party, speak to Danny. They co-founded an agency called Safe Only to do exactly this. Danny and the folks at Safe Only have a deep understanding of how to mould space and time so that it is sexy and free, while also taking care of the people in it. After this episode, I'm convinced that Danny's ideas could help us to build a free sex world by improving nightlife and sex work, centering them around care and welfare. From making dark rooms accessible to neurodivergent people to helping a client of sex work to unleash the person they really are, Danny's answers to my questions blew me away. Here we go. Danny Singer, welcome to Free Sex. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Oh, wow. And the sirens are going off behind well, you already. Always,
1: always on commercial. <laughs> they're always
0: facing you. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to help me imagine a world of free sex, Danny. What does free sex mean to you?
1: Um, well, thank you for asking the question. It's it's a really important question to me um, in lots of different arenas of my life. And, and um, kind of underpinning all of it is the idea of, of care, um, which I think, is not always present with sex and, and certainly in my life has not always been present in sex and sexual expression and sexual identity. Um, so there's lots of different arenas that I could sort of talk about that. Uh, but I think we're, we're going to focus just now on thinking about nightlife um, and the work that, that I'm involved with in nightlife. And then also thinking about sex work, um, which I'm also involved with sort of right. from that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Care. That's, it's such a big, a big theme and mm. um yeah thank you for bringing it to the podcast actually so talk to me about care in nightlife what is the current status <laughs> the current situation where are we with care in in nightlife
1: I, I mean I think we're doing pretty well I think we're, we're a lot more careful now than we were four or five years ago um mm-hmm. which is which is, is really great and um I think a lot of people have experience of of uh, coming back to nightlife after covid and and feeling uh, the lack of care and the lack of uh, sort of infrastructure and like, resourcing of, of care in nightlife and having I, mean, I basically mean people coming back to nightlife after a bit of a break and realising that it was really quite brutal. And there were a lot of things in place and sort of systemic issues um, that that promoted a culture of of uncare or, or lack of care. Um, we, we, I mean, I very much felt that myself um, as someone who had worked in nightlife before COVID and then uh, wanted to sort of put into practice a lot of the care and like the mutual aid and things like that that had really become very prominent during the COVID years in, into nightlife. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people might know that I, I started with my friend Yanis um, Safe Only, which is um, basically an agency um, that provides queer welfare security and medical staff to nightlife settings and now actually broader cultural settings as well and we also do training and consultancy and cute things like that um so you know that's been going for almost two well coming up for two years now um and since then i mean I, i think there has been a bit of an explosion of care not not just because of safe only but so many different nightlife um or stakeholders for want of a better word are, are really realizing that if they care for the people who come to their clubs then people are more likely to come to their clubs and have a nice yeah fun. you'd
0: They're think it was obvious around. wouldn't you
1: you would can, um, can you
0: can you maybe just talk a bit more about that brutality that you mentioned of of nightlife just so that if I get the like baseline of where we're coming from
1: yeah definitely and then,
0: you know so like a, a a nightlife space where sex is a possibility um, mm. and maybe encouraged uh, that doesn't think about care and welfare what are the traces of a of a space like that like what is that
1: so I what, think what, 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 we, like? what we were seeing and what we're still seeing in, in some settings in nightlife is is um, those spaces replicating all of the systems and all of the behaviors um, in the wider world that we really don't like mm. Um, so in that, I'm thinking about queerphobia, transphobia, ableism, racism, misogyny. All of these these systems, um, which which are, can can be very condensed and sort of amplified in a nightlife setting where things are already quite intense, um, and and quite um, uh, well, I suppose yeah, just intense. And and I think a lot of that starts with the staffing situation, um, with the exploitation. And the lack of care that goes into staffing in nightlife who are, are among the most poorly paid and overworked and exploited people, I'd say in the whole workforce, okay. full stop, um, who are dealing, who are working incredibly unsociable hours, unhealthy hours often um, for very, very, very low pay. And yet dealing with some of the most vulnerable um, and sort of explosive and uh, complex situations that, that you'd really deal with in any sort of frontline care providing Se- like sector or, or, or service mm-hmm. and yet they're expected to do that with very little training mm-hmm. um and particularly for security workers and bar teams in that that they're, they're very dehumanized they're industrialized um and they're expected to sort of bring so much humanity to situations when they're not themselves treated as human beings right um, yeah. and and yeah because of all the exploitation and, and i say that the poor working conditions that they're subject to so for that reason obviously well, not obviously, there's nothing obvious, but but for that reason, um, those people obviously um, sometimes turn to replicating those systems um, of, of violence that play out when people are subjugated and oppressed and exploited. And I think those, those behaviours very often are direct responses to those conditions, just as they are in the wider world. Obviously, when that happens in a nightlife setting, um, it, it can be very explosive and it can be very... Um, damaging because yeah. of the the intensity of those settings because yeah. of in talks because of vulnerability because of all sorts of different things that are going on. Yeah. Um so yeah for me it really started with with the idea of 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 having care like underpinning the work that Safe Only is doing. So if our team is showing up for work feeling cared for, feeling resourced, well paid, having their wealth their welfare being sort of centered in their working experience, they're able to to offer that to people who they're supporting and who they're serving in 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 the nightlife setting, so when there's sex happening on premises, and I think that like nightlife and sex are just they're they're, they're two sides of the same coin, and and in that I mean um, there are obviously lots of nights that are sex centred. There are like play parties where it's very explicit that there is sex happening on premises, but oftentimes um, as well, especially in in queer settings. Um, people are are going out to express themselves sexually and that doesn't mean they necessarily want to cop off with someone that night but they might just they might yeah they maybe they are thinking about like yeah hooking up in the toilets or whatever or taking someone home at the end of the night but maybe they're also just in that space as one of the few places in their life where they can be the sexual being that they are
0: yeah and express their bodies and their desires exactly things like that so
1: what what happens when people are bringing that that sort of quite high stakes intention into an into a nightclub um is is that they're then either being met with um sort of bullying aggressive um sort of microaggression or, or microaggressions or violent behavior from from that from the staff from the venue from the promoters whoever it is or they're being met with acceptance openness and care um so when when that um yeah like when when they are met with with those with those conditions um they are then able hopefully to sort of like replicate that or like um Mm. what's that reciprocate that in the way that they're behaving with other people yeah and sometimes there are so sometimes there are very specific sort of codes of conduct in place in nightlife where yeah like that's made explicit as well
0: and there's there's a a lot of um I think a lot of us don't always appreciate the staff when we go into a nightlife space. Like, you know, we're just thinking, oh, they're there to basically serve us drinks um, and it's our night, not their night and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of kind of education about the fact that, well, together, we're all making this space. Like, you know, whether you're working in it or dancing in it or fucking in it, then like together we're creating this space. What are the other things in terms of uh, like provisions um so separate to the staff but other things that need to be in place
1: uh I mean there are so many things and and so, and so many of them are just like practical uh yeah. thinking about the actual physical space itself is it yeah the nuts and bolts I guess yeah the nuts and bolts are really important <laughs> yeah. and they get that they're they're some of the hardest things to get right because of um like the quite sorry state of like the, the physical buildings that our nightlife happens in are, are yeah. often not really fit for purpose. Yeah. And sometimes that's kind of cute and fun. Like when when you're in a squat rave and like there's no toilet and there's no tap water, it just feels like yeah. edgy and dirty and kind of like, yes, like fun, but yeah. it's also kind of not fun. Um, yeah, and and it excludes huge num- numbers of people. And it if it doesn't exclude people, then it means that people are having to really compromise on things that that are quite fundamental and important to them having a nice time. So I think,
0: yeah, like being they, able to have a wee when you need it.
1: Well, yeah, things like <laughs> and, that, and from and,
0: that all the way through to different people, different able-bodied people, and you know, disabled right. people being able to enter. Yeah,
1: and and thinking as well about neurodiversity. Um, which is such a, a yeah. central, a central concept when we think about queer nightlife. There is so much neurodiversity within the queer community and it's just v- like basically never ever thought about. Yeah. Um, and I know um, it may feel like we're sort of straying from the central question of sex here, but we're, we're really, really not because these are all the things that people are grappling with all the time as they turn up and express their sexual being yeah. on a night out. And I, like, um, I will yeah, I'll just keep talking a bit, a little bit I uh, say about, um, about neurodiversity and about access um there are very few nights that really center that as um as just sort of like a foundational principle or something that they're going to prioritize um and when they do what what happens again is that people feel um seen they feel catered to they feel um able to to sort of bring their whole selves or or much larger parts of themselves to that space um and that means that 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 they're going to be able to express themselves so much more like fulfillingly, um, yep. and that staff are going to be able to better support them as well because it comes up so much for me when I'm on shift, um, and I I can identify quite clearly like what what issue somebody is having, but the infrastructure just isn't there to support it. So that can might you give mean an that, example, though, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So that might mean that there's no there's simply no quiet space for a person okay. to go and sit and decompress if they're feeling overstimulated or overwhelmed, yeah. or maybe um, there's no accessible toilet, or like there's some, there's a toilet that's loosely called an accessible toilet, but it doesn't have any of the actual things in it that that person needs, or yeah. perhaps it's in such a sorry state because everybody's been going in there to take their drugs and they haven't been respecting that space, and you know, there's all sorts of things. Um, it could even be down to things like the light settings, which um, you know, if 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 the lights, if there's just one blanket light setting in a venue, and that might be sort of not working for somebody, there's nowhere else they can go where they can have a different sensory experience. Yeah. So it's just thinking about these nuances um, and creating um, environments that that can offer as many different experiences um to to people depending on what they need at any given moment but yeah the thing things like a lack of a quiet space um like inadequate outdoor space spaces for people just to sort of sit and get fresh air that are not like very very crammed in smoking areas things like that that we can't always do a lot about um
0: and it's it's interesting that that does come up within this context of a conversation about sex. Because even though a minute ago you said like, oh, I'm sort of diverging from sex, but also not really. I can see what you mean there. Like, it might be seen that, well, a quiet space or a space without flashing lights isn't explicitly about sex. But actually, if it enables a person to feel more comfortable in that space in general and more included in that space, then then they're therefore more likely to be more comfortable
1: mm-hmm. expressing
0: themselves sexually uh, and um, maybe even yeah, getting with someone or doing something or, or something like that, if that's if that's what's happening in the space for other people who don't need those extra provisions. So you can kind of see how sex is. I think often we like we just treat sex as like this separate thing. Mm-hmm. And we try to like kind of keep it separate and we like um, optimize for that or not, you know, whereas actually it's just a part of who we are
1: life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com the provisions of, of various dark room spaces like vary wildly in in the sort of nights that exist um and and the nights that i've personally worked and and i mean i don't have a huge amount to say about this other than like just reiterating what i've already said like the dark rooms and the play spaces that are well resourced that um that are are sort of built around people being able to have um the experience that suits them rather than a prescriptive experience that is sort Mm -hmm. of expected um like yeah that I said that that prescriptive idea of like oh well this is what the queer community want and this is what we're going to give them rather than actually letting people make up their own minds and again having a variety of different spaces where people can play and people can have sex um and then also like just having safer sex practices like central Mm -hmm. to those dark room spaces um Mm -hmm. it's just not something that happens and the number of places that that I've worked or been to that have play spaces where um they might just give out like a one size condom and that's it, that's their safer sex practice. Right. It it, it that's going to cater to some people, um, but for a lot of people that's that's not even mm. thinking about the sort of sex they want to have. And and, and again mm. it's it's offering a very prescriptive view of sex as being sort of penetrative with a penis mm. of yeah. a certain size.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um so uh, you know it, it sort of speaks volumes about people's consideration for the the vast range of experiences that can come up. Um, and and we should be supporting and not like not just letting them happen, but actually actively encouraging that yeah. vast range of experiences to happen through providing um, as many different things as possible um, to resource those experiences. Yeah.
0: Do you? My final question on nightlife is about the, I guess, the community that's driving a lot of this. I think you said at the beginning that um, you're focused on queer spaces, and um, it feels like or at least that's, like, to date, I think that's kind of where a lot of this work has been done. I don't know, that's my per- perception. And I don't want to go so far as to say, like, you know, the queers have got this sorted, definitely not, or that the queers are, like, leading this. But I'm interested in your thoughts on
1: mm-hmm. on
0: that. Uh, and also the kink community as a overlapping but distinct community as well is often credited with, like, being really good at things like this. So I'm interested, in, like, from your perspective, like, where is this all coming from and and is it going out into other different types of communities and different different groups of people that have sex spaces
1: i i mean i imagine that it is and this is also where um my uh like my definition of queer is is really pretty pretty broad and i would really consider that anyone who's doing this work um whatever their sexuality is is a queer person as far as I'm concerned because they're going against sort of all of these systems that we don't
0: and it's anti-capitalist fundamentally what you're talking about yeah
1: so I would say that this is an inherently queer practice anyway whatever somebody's sexuality is um, because I don't feel the need to link sexuality and queerness because it's 2023 no it's not it's 2024 it's 2024 um so um I mean I used to go when I was like from the age of eighteen, um, I used to go to Torture Garden and Antichrist and all of these these sex clubs, and I, I was, I considered myself like a heterosexual sort of straight person at that time, yeah. um, and I experienced all of the horror show things that you that you hear about at, at those at all of those spaces, um, and because the conversation wasn't as evolved as it is now, um, I just sort of took it as part of the course, and I didn't really understand because I was so young and inexperienced I I didn't really understand it
0: I mean do you mean things like lack of consent and
1: yeah 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 exactly like like like, like, I mean just just baseline like sexual assaults and sexual harassment and things like that and these were all things that happened um just just really like run of the mill um I think now those those spaces that are still going have had to catch up and have had to do the work because the culture and the conversation around um sexual conduct has has moved on so much in the past 15 years which is wonderful and as I say like for me anyone who I I think I think yeah that like these are all these are all these are all queer practices and these are all queer communities and I think queer and kink are very um like they're, they're sort of two sides of the same coin and it does upset me a bit when I hear people talking about certain kink parties and like when I hear queer people like more sort of overtly queer people describing kink parties it's like oh they're so heterosexual they're so straight they're so this yeah. this this it feels like unnecessarily gatekeepy to me and, yeah, and not that's honoring that's right. sort of the, the the essence of like underpinning what what queer really yeah is. i find that
0: as well and i always wonder like how do you know what people
1: well that too are, but it's like just limiting queerness to the idea of sexuality is like it's
0: just and not what you're at. often but... limited to the idea of like um clothing expression or gender expression and it's like there's there's things that inside as well that are part of that
1: so I think yes in answer to your question like I'm I I think this is definitely happening right across the spaces um where like sex is very expressly part of of a night out in in, like lots of different yeah lots of different collectives and communities yeah I think um it where it, it still could happen more is in spaces that have not yet really started to Engage in in this queer thinking, and and um, this is perhaps what I would call the straight the straight spaces, and that's not because there aren't lots of queer people in those spaces. Obviously, people are going here, there, and everywhere, um, but it, it, again, it comes back to this sort of idea of infrastructure for me, um, and of resource like the resourcing from behind the scenes, yeah. where where there are still nights and venues that are replicating systems of oppression and systems of violence um, as as a as part of the course. Yeah, whatever the sexuality of those spaces, they're not operating in a queer way, and they're not encouraging the sort of careful sex that right. that we deserve. S-
0: Shall we move on to sex work then? Because mm. we've talked so much about care in nightlife, and you said at the top that you're applying care to sex work as well. So, um, um, so that's the other side of this answer to this question of you know bringing more care into the into the free sex world that we want to live in. So. Um, tell me about your sex work and uh, how you're applying care there. Sort of.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I've been sex working for about three and a half years, um, and uh, I started, like, well, I started sex work during during COVID um, as a way to, to make money when I couldn't make money any other way. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that I started, and I'm the, the sex work that I do is 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 face to face. Um, I, I described oh. it a minute ago as old school sex work, where I have a profile online and people. Um, send me strange whatsapp messages and then i, I normally do in calls in, in my place um and that's yeah that's that's what i do so i don't do anything sort of digitally or online or anything like that mm-hmm. um, i started sex work pretty much when i was really just getting in i mean there was no nightlife at that time it was obviously all sort of mm-hmm. in lockdown time um but i was giving a lot of thought to care and welfare as were a lot of people in that time when we really had to to basically survive. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I've been I've been sex working as as my um, sort of welfare practice has developed, and it's been really interesting to me to to see my sex work practice develop in tandem with that. Mm-hmm. And something I said a few minutes ago um, was a really helpful thought that sort of condensed this idea. So I, I was talking about um, the different ranges of experiences and the different expressions of experience that that people um, that people need like sort of people have, um, and that we should be really as as sort of nightlife um the people who build nightlife we, we really need to be not just encouraging those but like very specifically catering and expecting those that that, that range of experiences yes. um what i see very often in in the sex work that i do is that people um people for lots of reasons that you know, probably lots of people have ideas about. Uh, people pigeonhole themselves into quite a narrow field of experience, mm-hmm. um, and quite often um, that's based on the porn that they watch, mm-hmm. um, or the sort of the idea of, of of masculinity because the majority of people I see are are cis men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the ideas of, of masculinity and sex that, that have sort of been handed to them by by our culture. Yeah. So I see people really, yeah, like forcing themselves into an experience of, of sex and sexuality. Um, which i i can tell is is really just not it's doesn't it's not authentic mm. and it's it's really apparent that it's not authentic mm. and and sometimes um that that's really explicit so i i have especially like younger people i find actually with older older people they're just like fuck it i'm just gonna do whatever i want and i have have better times with with old, I, have, I have better sex with the, the older clients right. than i have yeah um the younger people sort of in their early 20s We'll we'll come um, and I'll sort of you know I'll welcome them and I'll say you know what what would you like to do do you like do you like this thing do you like that thing yeah and I I sort of I then see this quite sheepish like oh, I don't know don't know don't know oh, this, right. like like wh- okay. and, and they they really don't know they're, and I'll be like held,
0: oh they're held it's not that they're held back it's that they they actually they're almost open they're kind of yeah they don't know they're open. To... Well, i
1: think that sometimes they probably do know and they're afraid to say and they're afraid uh, to say yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or, but, and so, but oftentimes and that this is when i find it the saddest of all is because they really really don't know because as i say that the the opportunities and the infrastructure and the resources for them to have that freedom of expression yeah. simply and not and not haven't been present in their lives again yeah. for all kinds of very very complex reasons yeah. and it, this is not um and it, it it makes it makes me feel really sad um for these young people because I think this is how they are about something so core and so fundamental, um, which is like, you know, their sexuality, um, and their sort of sexual sexual expression. How how is this playing out in the rest of their their personhood? Yeah. Um, and it, it does make me yeah, it does make me feel really sad. Um, but then again, sometimes because of the way that I am and because of my welfare practice, which is so geared towards gently sort of steering people to where like asking the question, where do you where do you want to be now? Like sort yeah. of physically, psycho, spiritually, where do you want to be right now? Yeah. Um, so because of that practice that I have and 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 because I'm quite good at at sort of creating an environment and a setting that that can put people in that place in a way that feels gentle and sort of non-threatening. Um, sometimes I have like really like quite people have quite revelatory experiences, yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and I had a really sweet example of this. Um a, a few a little while ago this 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 young person came around um and he was very sweet and like sort of affable and like yeah it nothing nothing immediately remarkable and um yeah and we were fucking and it was all like very like it, it was very porny and it was very like regimented and he was like do this now do that now. but it, okay. it, it didn't really feel
0: he had like a like a shopping it, list
1: it, yeah exactly of, of of things that he wanted to do and I was like fine I'll go along with it it's not you know it's not a problem but then after a while um he just starts and and just like lay down and just closed his eyes and I was like are you okay babe and he was like yeah yeah I just like want to rest here I've actually just got a bit of a it was it was really he went <laughs> I've got a bit of a bad tummy and I was like okay you've got a tummy I was like, that's fine you know let's just let's just lie down yeah I make you a cup of tea and then I was just like just doing really gentle just like contact and just like soothing and like this was sort of physical soothing yeah um it was completely like non-sexual and it was just about like a gentle sort of like very regulated intimacy and I was also thinking about other sorts of regulation like you know light heat sound all of these things mm. just to sort of bring this person back to a place of, of comfort and they they just laid there for quite some time, um, and then at the end, I you know I, they they had to, they had to leave, and I was like, well, look, babe, you know, you've paid for quite a lot of time, and actually, you spent a lot of that time not feeling well. I, I'd, I'd be happy to give you a little bit of cash back, something mm-hmm. nice like that. Um, and he said he, he said, then really just looked me in the face and said, "No, do you know what? You've you've been really hospitable and you've really cared for me, so thank you so much, mm-hmm. and I want you to keep all that money." Mm-hmm. And that, that, the way that he said that was so like completely different from the way that he'd been addressing me and addressing what, had happened, right. what was happening before.
0: Yeah. Um, well, so it, really, it was a different character. It was
1: a different character who had been cared out. for. Yeah. And ha- he'd been
0: cared for, yeah.
1: who had been cared and for. He and he
0: recognised had... your work in
1: doing exactly. that. Exactly. And he'd allowed himself to be cared for, which I think was a fucking big move because so yeah. many people don't have access to that type of care. Yeah. and i think it's like the, the the position of the sex worker as as having this very structured very boundary time where people can let loose and can people can receive an experience that they can't receive from anywhere else in their life mm-hmm. it's such a it's like it's a real gift um mm-hmm. and uh i i feel like really um like, I feel kind of honoured sometimes to be able to to do that work with people. And I do, I, I mean, I, I consider it um, like it's 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 all part of healing justice and it is mm. all part of, of like abolitionist sort or of transformative care. And so I like it, it's so vital, that work.
0: I think that's a really great thing to bring to this concept of free sex that. That I'm sort of proselytizing for, right? Because a free sex world, um, you know, has sex work in it, um, obviously, and um, you know, care and rights and everything like that for sex workers. Um, but that even within that, even within the sex work that would happen in that world, that there is the um, there is a there is a freedom to um, uh, clients using sex work, uh, you know, buying sex work for a broader a broader purpose than other than just having an orgasm you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's recognizing that sex in and of itself is and can be um a caring thing um not just in the way that you described you were in a kind of a sexual scene with that person and then there was this other care that was going on but just being intimate being naked Mm -hmm. being vulnerable with each other that that's a caring thing and so that just seems to me that like um as I hear you talk about it, that it's, um, it's obviously something that we need to build into this world of free sex, if if we can like imagine that, you know?
1: Yeah, we do. But it's like, it, again, so much of it is because of um, the restructuring of myself as yeah. as a service provider and as a worker and as all of yeah. these things um, that, that I've been like fortunate enough to be able to do because I have access to, you know, the the community and the resources and like, yeah um just the time to to exactly because you're in
0: that world you've you've spent the time to think about it and research it and and develop your own methods and your own practices whereas most most people are just like not they're not in that world so sex is like this thing that they occasionally do and dip into and so they're they're not bringing a lot of care to it I suppose (laughs) no
1: and and they and it's it's like you know it takes a huge amount like it's taken me a long, a long time and a lot of investment to get to this point. Um, and I, that, that's because of the, you know, the privileges that I've had um, from my position. And I'm saying that as like a sort of a, a you know, a, a queer neurodivergent trans person. Um, so like, yeah, I think there are people out there who have more, more privileges who don't use that to yeah. do this work. And and a lot of that is is um, just because, I don't know, because of capitalism and things like that, I the big yes word. um so it's it's it, it feels a bit like a it's a bit of a catch-22 because the people i think you need to do this work the most will just just don't have access to the resources yeah that yeah. that enable them to do this work which is why i think it's all the more important that for people like me who who do have the resources of of, of time and and community and access to ideas and stuff um I think it's all the more important that I, I I do invest in that, um, and and this is you know, this is what it, like, yeah, the sex work and, and the sort of nightlife stuff all converge into one big practice, even though they're they're kind of different settings. Yeah. Um. What what I'm just trying to do is like create. I'm sort of trying to be a resource myself for myself and for other people, um, just to like really hit those fundamentals, of, of which sex is is definitely one. Yeah. um it's interesting because i always like before i i only came out quite late at night i don't like the phrase come out but i don't have a better one but um
0: and I also don't of... like that. I agree with you. And I don't like the word late in that context as well. No, it's also, counting. it's not a thing. But not I know a a thing. what you're, I know. Where I'm going to restart
1: that whole sentence. <laughs> no, I,
0: mean, <laughs> I don't mean to press you to do that, but it's no, no, the same no, for me. Right. And I'm cautious about that language as well. Cause the same reasons
1: probably. No, it's not no. It's because it's nonsense language. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, um, I didn't understand myself to be queer until I was about 25, 26. And I'm yeah. 33 now. Yeah. Um but even before then, I had a very strong, I'd, like, I, I knew that, like many people, I knew that something was wrong or something wasn't mm. right. and I didn't know what it was. But one thing I did know was that when I was having sex, I wasn't able to hide from that, mm. that that sense of discomfort and that wrongness. And the sex, sex was really the only time um, when I was able to be when I was un- unable to sort of lie to myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting because um, I had a lot of sex in my early 20s, I had a lot of great sex, but but I had a lot of sex that was also just like jarring and mm-hmm. not not because it was like, like it was very health- like, healthy, so very con- sort of consensual, like nice mm-hmm. sex, but it was still jarring because um, I couldn't lie to myself when I was mm-hmm. having sex for some reason. Um, and I think I don't know how many other people would agree with that, but I I, I suspect that that's I suspect that that's a thing that, that mm-hmm. a lot of people would would feel if if they have access to to themselves at that level where mm-hmm. they where they sort of can have have that sort of depth of of sort of authenticity, which again a lot yeah. of people don't have access to. Um,
0: yeah, but it is something I think using all of the different things that you've talked about so far in this past half an hour, it is something that a person um can have the capacity to do if they use all of if they take the approach that you're talking about here and use all of these tools um yes it requires time and energy and and thought and those things and as you've explained like that's those things are not always available to everyone all the time well they're just not but um but i think you've given us like the toolbox in in a way to do that um but i think
1: that the, yeah, the critical, sorry to cut you off, but the, the, the critical thing there is that, that these are not, uh, that, that experience of like having sort of authentic sexual, like, sexual expression or authentic yeah. sort of self-expression in a sexual way um, is not something that can be achieved in isolation. And and this is like... Yeah, and, this, and it's again, not on the
0: individual, is it? It's no, on and it can't be. It's, it's, on
1: the, yeah. it's on all of the resources and all of the structures around them that support them to be able to do that. Yeah. And this is why, again, like sex workers and like nightlife are, are, are such critical spaces in these conversations because those are spaces where di- where people are directly coming up, um, coming coming face to face with with their sort of authentic sexuality or an expression of their authentic sexual selves or yeah. an expression of their completely inauthentic sexual selves. So, like when I see um, like things around on like on my social media or whatever that that very much say, like, oh, here's ways that you can encourage yourself to to like be better have better sex or whatever it is yeah and it's all about and it's all very individualized and it's it's individualized and neoliberal and it's the same as like bubble bath self-care like there is no self-care without community care there is no yeah like that none of these things exist without community resourcing yeah so um
0: yeah it's one of it's one of the things that i was worried about in starting this podcast was are people going to think this is about like what are the techniques in order to get better sex um as opposed to like what's the world that we're trying to create or yeah. you know, what are the social changes uh that we need to um that we need to enact and how do we bring down the capitalism that stops us <laughs> you know, and things right like that. yeah
1: so i mean yeah that that's i suppose as we like sort of come to the end of, of this this conversation i mean that's yeah that's where i'm i'm up to really um yeah. is is how can i and how can i as an individual but also as part of a a, a broad like massive now network of people who are all having this conversation and even people yeah. who aren't having this conversation specifically with regard to sex like they they still are having this conversation with regard to sex because it's all part of one it's all the there's all the same conversation yeah and if we you know if we if we if we create liberatory experiences for people in any regard then that's people aren't compartmentalized in that way yeah so if if people get a glimpse of that liberation um in in any setting it's gonna spill into other areas and and and, and i and i see this happening all the time with with sex work and with welfare um, and with nightlife um and especially like with people you know like this, this is a really lovely thing that happens when I see clients over a longer period of time. Um, I had a client yesterday who I've seen for nearly two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's always been like a very very sweet man, but yesterday he just he said to me quite out of the blue, oh, "You're just not in the box, are you?" And I was like, "No, not really." And he went, "Well, I'm not in the box either. I can sleep with whoever I want." Ah,
0: I was like,
1: "Yes, yes, you can, <laughs> you can. <Yes. laughs> And you know, this is a person who
0: maybe it took two years to get there
1: <laughs> I, and it was already well on the way when he yeah. started seeing me but yeah. just that moment and and I saw something in that you know there was such a that was a beautiful moment um yeah. that's amazing and I, well done I, yeah and, and I just see that um replicating so often every you know when I receive care when, when I give care to people in nightlife and then they come back to me a month later and say you know the way that you responded to what was going on for me there, like really it really had an impact on me yeah. and it really made me think differently about yeah. that experience yeah that's gonna play out um that's it that's so, yeah, it exactly that's a gift
0: well that's <laughs> it's a gift and that's a great place for us to end this conversation danny thank you so much
1: such a pleasure um i've really enjoyed it i i could really just talk about this like all day every day um <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been really lovely to to just like go go deep for, for a little bit
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. Let me know what you think of free sex, the idea, or the podcast. Leave me a review and a star rating if you can. On social media, I'm at Adam Smith. Yes, that's Smith, but with a Z. Or a Z. Yeah, Smith. Mm. (laughs) It feels good in the mouth. (laughs) You can find more Aunt Nell productions on our website, AuntNell.com. And on social, we're at AuntNell underscore. The theme music is Trans Life by Othon, hosted, produced, and edited by Adam Smith, and the executive producer for Aunt Nell is Tash Walker. To all you loves and lovers, good night. Mwah.